You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to episode one of Locked On Nittany Lions. I am your host, Stephen Pianovich, and I am thrilled to be hosting this podcast which is going to give you a daily look at all things Penn State. Thanks to everyone out there listening and joining us for our maiden voyage. I'm recording this eight days before Penn State's season opener against Appalachian State on September 1st. Fall is almost in the air. Not quite, but almost. It would be nice if college football automatically made it less humid, but that's not the case. And regardless, here we are closing in on another season for Penn State where the team is entering with high expectation. There are certainly no shortage of storylines with Penn State in 2018, and I'm thrilled to get started talking about all of them on this platform. But quickly, before I do that, I want to give a brief introduction of myself and of this podcast. Again, my name is Steven Pianovich. And uh, I've pretty much been watching Penn State football my entire life. I grew up in central Pennsylvania, and I was glued to the TV each Saturday watching all those games when Penn State was great in the late 90s and then not so great in the early 2000s and then pretty good again in the late 2000s. After that, I attended Penn State uh, where I was a sports journalism major. I've covered Penn State for six seasons now, seeing some of the biggest stories in the program's history play out from up close. Uh, But until now, I've never hosted a podcast about Penn State. So this is my first go at this, and I hope to turn it into something that will become part of the daily routine of being a Penn State fan. This podcast is going to be fresh each weekday. Uh, It's going to be about 25 minutes long each time. So I hope that gives fans an easy way to get their Nittany Lions fix when they're in the car, when they're at the gym, when they're out for a walk, when they're making dinner. Whatever it is you're doing, I hope you include this as a Penn State fan. We're going to, of course, have discussion of the day's biggest topics. We'll have recurring segments like Top 5 Countdowns and Penn State Trivia. And we're going to have interviews. I really hope to make that a staple to have interviews with people who are close to the program and know it the best. Uh, I know there is a lot written and said about Penn State every day, and I just hope that you can make Locked On Nittany Lions one of your favorite parts of that plentiful Penn State content buffet that I know is already out there. You'll be able to find Locked On Nittany Lions at Twitter at at Locked On Nittany. We are also on Facebook if you just look up Locked On Nittany Lions. And you can get in touch with the show via email at LockedOnNittanyLions at gmail.com. Locked On Nittany Lions is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please like us, rate us, review us, download us, and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, whomever is a Penn State fan in your life, I would really appreciate if you told them about this podcast and uh, hopefully you give us some feedback too so we can get off on the right foot here. 
We're going to dive right into things here on episode one. Coming up after a quick break, I'm going to talk about James Franklin being called overrated uh, anonymously by some of his peers. And later in the show, we're going to be joined by Audrey Snyder of The Athletic. She's going to discuss uh, some some outlooks for Penn State's 2018 season, position battles, and some observations from practice this week. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. So one thing I did want to discuss today uh, is one of the bigger Penn State storylines from this week, and it's that James Franklin was voted the most overrated coach in college football. Now, I think most Penn State fans have seen or heard about this by now, but this was done in a poll by CBSSports.com. James Franklin received 20% of the vote, which tied him with Willie Taggart from Florida State, who used to coach at Oregon, they were tied uh, as the highest vote-getters for the moniker of most overrated coach in college football. Come on. I I mean, to me, this is just something that is personal for whoever whoever voted against or whoever voted for James Franklin uh, for this title. I, I think it's pretty ridiculous at this point to view him as overrated. If you don't like something about his personality or if maybe he rubs you the wrong way if you're another college coach, I, I get that. I, I can kind of understand that. Um, but to to take that and to vote your dislike of him or you know to, to kind of vote out of spite to call him the most overrated after what he's been able to accomplish in the last two years of Penn State and in his time at Vanderbilt, I, I think is is a pretty ridiculous thing to do and a, and a totally bogus notion that he is the most overrated coach in college football. Now, I mean, and I and look, I, I think James Franklin's public persona uh, it can be a lot at times. I mean, he's a pretty intense guy. He's a pretty you know one of those guys who's overly optimistic. I think. I, I will say, I, when he first came to Penn State, I was not a huge fan of of the way he kind of addressed some things and some of the comments that he made and, and just kind of the way he carried himself. I thought it was a little bit over the top, but it's what he does. It's how it's who he is, and look where it's got him at Penn State. It's got him a Big Ten title, a top you know two top ten finishes. Another preseason top 10, a trip to the Rose Bowl, a Fiesta Bowl win. I mean, the results are right there. It's not like this guy talks a big game and then doesn't back it up. He's done that in, at Penn State, and he came in to a, to a tough place, to a, to, a, to a program that had sanctions against it that was still a tough place to recruit compare, you know, to compare to some of the other major programs in, in college football, and he has turned it into a place where some of the best recruits in the country want to go and it's paying off and it looks like Penn State is going to continue to be very good for a long time under James Franklin. So to call him overrated, I I think is just a notion of some spite or just people talking out of jealousy or a dislike of him personally. 
And here's what he said about it. He's been asked about it uh, this week, and he was on Fox Sports Radio with Doug Gottlieb early in the week. Here's his quote. Quote, Obviously, you'd love to be respected by everybody. I think that's human nature. I'm very proud of what we've been able to accomplish as a staff, both at Vanderbilt, a place that's been very challenging to win, and here at Penn State, coming here at a very tough time. We've been able to get these things turned around. There's always going to be some critics. There's always going to be some different perspectives, but I sleep very well at night knowing what we've done at Penn State and knowing what we've done during our careers. Close quote. Now, I will say that this poll was only one-fifth of head coaches, so that's either 25 or 26 FBS coaches, and 20% of them voted for James Franklin, so that's probably five coaches cast a vote for there. Uh so it's not a ton of people probably that carry this this idea that James Franklin is overrated, and I think most objective college football analysts, fans, and other coaches would say that that is certainly not the case with what he's been able to do at Penn State, where he's been able to put this program. And look, I think James Franklin is going to continue to take these 11-win seasons and, as he said, sleep very well at night. And I think those five coaches who voted for him as the most overrated would love to have those 11-win seasons but they aren't getting them yet. So James Franklin's going to end the season with uh, probably feeling like he still has more to prove, and I think that might in the long run be a good thing for him and a good thing for Penn State. Locked on Nittany Lions will be right back with an interview with Audrey Snyder of The Athletic. All right, I'm joined now by Audrey Snyder of The Athletic. Audrey's coming to us from State College. Audrey, how are you doing? And thank you for joining us. I'm doing great. The rain finally stopped in State College. So, you know, happy to be here and happy to not be getting rained on anymore. That is that is wonderful news. This is your ninth season covering Penn State, is that right? I think so. Honestly, I've lost <laughs> track. I two years as a student and then graduated in 2012, so... Yeah, Either way, like that, we're almost. We'll, we'll have a party next year for the full the full decade. Um, <laughs> decade of my greatest hits. There you go. Uh, so you were at practice on Tuesday night. This is the week before Penn State season opener. Uh, you saw a little bit of practice. I know James Franklin talked a little bit. Uh, so what did you out there at State College on Tuesday? So we got another look at basically the second team offense, and then we also got a look at the second team defense. Uh, we haven't media hasn't seen the starters on the field the last two weeks, so mm-hmm. these are you know short viewing windows. So Sean Clifford was the number two quarterback because Tommy Stevens is still sporting that boot on his right foot. Mm-hmm. Um, he did have crutches yet again, so Penn State, as we know, doesn't discuss injuries, but that's definitely something that we're keeping an eye on. Um, I'm led to believe from people I've talked to that the Stevens injury isn't anything serious, but I do think it's interesting um, and at least beneficial for Sean Clifford to get these reps because you look down the road, because of course that's what we always do here, Yes. Uh, and, and down the road he'll be that number two guy next year, uh, presumably behind Tommy Stevens. So he's improved his mobility, and the thing that caught my eye last night was Micah Parsons mm-hmm. uh, working as that second-team will linebacker. 
everyone has raved about his blitzing ability, and we saw that last night. I mean, he came in full head of steam on Ricky Slade and just blew right past him. <laughs> so out of that five-star on five-star matchup, um, yeah, we're at, Parsons will definitely have a role on this team out of the gate, um, and I think that role is only going to expand. His- so it sounds like Micah will probably not be in that starting rotation, but what are some other position battles that are playing out here with about 10 days left before Penn State opens this season? Yeah, so I asked James Franklin point blank if he knows who his kicker is, um, and he told me that we will know when they release the depth chart that he said he doesn't know. Mm. Um, this came after he said that he felt they've answered some questions in the kicking game, defensive tackles, and the linebackers, and all these question marks, the safeties that we've been hearing about. Um, so kicking competition, they're playing it close to the vest, but we haven't seen much of the kickers. I do know that they chart every single kick in practice. So they have to know who their guy is. I'm not buying that. Um, They definitely know. But keep in mind, they want somebody doing kickoffs, somebody different doing field goals and extra points. And then, of course, Blake Gilligan will continue as the punter. um, And I would imagine we'll also see Gilligan as the holder. Mm -hmm. But kind of the sexier position battles in the specialists. (laughs) Long long snapper? No. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Could be wide open. Who knows? Um, when you look at the defensive ends now with two medical retirements last week with Ryan Buckholtz and Torrance Brown, they're at the point where Utah Gross Matos has been getting a lot of love this preseason. And Sean Spencer came out and said Tuesday night that right now the ones, it's Sharif Miller and Gross Matos. So the true sophomore um, was impressive last year. He certainly passes the eye test, to say mm-hmm. the least. I mean, this kid is massive. Um, I remember seeing him as a recruit at a satellite camp at Old Dominion that Penn State was at. He was a high school sophomore at the time, and I just remember thinking, if this kid ever grows into this body, uh, he's going to be a massive defensive end. And that looks like that's where they're at right now. Now, Shane Simmons, of course, was spotted in a boot at the team's photo day last Saturday. So that's something to keep an eye on. And Sean Spencer said he believes that pass rush specialist Shaka Tony can be an every-down uh, defensive end. Right now, we haven't seen that yet, but that's what they're thinking. Um, so we'll have to see. But Gross Matos off the bat and tight ends. Production's going to come by committee. Uh, Jonathan Holland had separation, and then sounds like he gave it back. Danny Dalton, mm. Franklin had said is, has said the most consistent camp. And fr- freshman Pat Fryermuth is a guy who they think can help them this year. So I thought that was a bit of. Maybe a little bit of a surprise there that he could potentially be burning his red shirt. Mm -hmm. Um, So those guys will see. And defensive tackles behind Rob Windsor, Kevin Givens, they still need that that five deep. And they have plenty of options there, so we'll see. But, yeah, that's kind of the position rundown where things stand right about now. Yeah, um, that'll be interesting. I think you do expect them to give a lot of the ones and twos or I guess the two's more burn against App State in a game that's, you know, kind of a a way to get your feet wet? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think this is also where we'll probably see with the new redshirt rule that freshmen can play in up to four games and keep the redshirt. I think we'll see some of that. Um, But I I just, at this point, and I thought Sean Spencer made a really interesting observation last night when he said, they need pairings. You know, they've got all these guys. We've seen the wholesale defensive line substitutions but you still have to have continuity within those groups. So they're trying to figure out right now, like, what's their best combination? Um, and they, of course, said they've known about these defensive end medical issues, the retirements. They weren't taken by surprise by that. So 
I'm curious to see um, kind of what that looks like come Saturday against App State. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And uh, real quick, I'm going to go back to the offensive side of the ball and uh, a name that a lot of Penn State fans like to hear and know about, and that's Tommy Stevens, who also missed all of spring with this injury, hasn't seemed like he's participated at all so far in this fall. Is Has James Franklin or anyone on the coaching staff shed light onto how much time he could miss? There's been no indicator given there. Um, and the thing was, Stevens, he was out there originally in camp and then shows up to the photo day wearing the boot and that kind of thing. So, I mean, my indications, people that I, you know, that I know that are in the know, um, there's not really any urgency with this. It doesn't seem like there people are up in arms about, oh, Tommy Stevens isn't, isn't going to be ready or anything like that. Um, but as we've seen throughout James Franklin's tenure here, um, he won't discuss injuries. He yeah. won't go there. Um, even when it is looks like it's a season-ending injury um it can sometimes be like you know like we're giving him a root canal so but hey that's our job <laughs> right uh but absolutely i mean it's i think it's a really fascinating storyline because you've now got this guy who's banged up and then what do you do with him against App state because yeah. it's important for tommy to get those reps and this is a kid steven that i think we've seen maybe Pass the ball 31 times, I want to say, in games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still want to see more from Tommy Stevens. Um, and now it's like, okay, are we going to get that opportunity? Because if they're blowing out App State, um, maybe they go to Clifford instead and yeah. have Tommy healthy. We'll see. Yeah. Well, it'll definitely be something to keep an eye on there as they, they get closer to season opener. And uh, staying on offense, I know you have a story coming up. Uh, on the athletic about Joe Moorhead, who is in his first season at Mississippi State, uh, just kind of—I mean, Joe Moorhead left Penn State, but it wasn't just Joe Moorhead who left. I know he took a couple Penn State guys with him. Uh, so, what kind of impact has that had on on the team? And how is Joe Moorhead preparing for his first season as a head coach at the Division One yeah. level? I should say. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you head to the SEC West, um, and for me, going down there this summer was really interesting to see. Because every program operates differently. Um, driving into Starkville, it was like just kind of middle of nowhere, um, which sounds crazy when I was in college. But um, I, play, I think Penn State's offense long-term is going to be fine without Joe Moorhead. I think Ricky Ronnie isn't going to change much. And we heard so much from Ronnie uh, within the last five, six months about what he learned under Moorhead. Um, but I think what I'm more curious to see is – what Moorhead's offense does in the SEC because you look at their personnel and Nick Fitzgerald is like a bigger, bulkier version of Trace McSorley mm-hmm. and these guys are mentioned among a lot of the same preseason lists. So I think that'll be kind of pretty cool to see and just sitting down with Moorhead in his office, um, there are so many Penn State reminders, um, not only just within the guy's office, but there are seven people who either played Coach, um, or you know, were employed by Penn State that are on this Mississippi State staff. So it's a crazy number, and you have those seven guys. But then you also have a total of six Pennsylvania natives on this hmm. staff, which is just really weird. And talking to people in Starkville, um, they're like, "Yeah, we're trying to get to know this staff. Um, these aren't guys that are from here, but they've recruited really, really well." This is a Mississippi State team that um, is recruiting right now. I mean, they're top twenty program ranking, and then also top twenty in recruiting, which. Is really impressive, especially because one of the big storylines was how would they recruit uh, with so many guys with you know some northern ties and yeah. that kind of thing. So sat down with Moorhead, sat down with former Penn State defensive coordinator Bob Shoup, uh, also sat down with Charles Huff, and 
former Penn State linebacker Naeem Morgan White, who's there as a graduate assistant. So uh, a lot of info in that one, and I think that should be coming out probably the end of this week. All right, that sounds great. Yeah, you guys can check that out on The Athletic. Uh, we are joined again by Audrey Snyder from The Athletic. She's covering Penn State for the ninth season. We're going to be back after a quick break, and we're going to Audrey's uh, up or down take on a few Penn State Penn State factors heading into the 2018 season. Stay with us. All right, we are back on the first episode of Locked On Nittany Lions with our first ever guest, Audrey Snyder from The Athletic. Audrey, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we're going to play a little up or down where I'm going to give you a handful of topics about Penn State's 2018 season. This will be a general overview. And uh, you tell me if you're up or down on the statement. That sound good? Let's do it. All right. Okay. Penn State will win at least 10 games in 2018. Including a bowl game? Including a bowl game. Down. You're um, down. I say, I, I say down because, I, well, let's see what happens with Urban Meyer later on. Let's keep that in play. As, as of recording this, we don't know what the status is there. Yes, but if um, we, we we're recording this on Thursday, if we or on Wednesday, rather, if we, we check Twitter right now, it could be different. But Yeah, Urban, <laughs> Urban could be doing something right now. But um, I, I just think this defense has so many question marks, and this schedule, while the marquee games are at home, it is by no means easy. I mean, you get Iowa in here, you get Wisconsin in here, which mm-hmm. is huge. Um, obviously, Michigan State, and then playing at Michigan, and of course, Ohio State in late September. So the defense, I don't think, will really have all their footing by then. So I think they'll probably win about nine games in the regular season, and then bowl season, it's always a crapshoot. Yeah, that's very true. All right, so that segues well into this next question, or this next statement. You tell me if you're up or down. Penn State's toughest game is in early November at Michigan. Down. Because uh, I think the, the game against Ohio State, um, you got to figure wide out, potentially game day. And the fact that it's late September to me is just kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, in many ways, their season could be decided by late September, which yeah. uh, for Penn State, I think is a little unfortunate because they are young in a few spots. And I think they would probably rather have this game a little bit later on. Even with Ohio State starting a new quarterback and having some turmoil, you think it will be that will be the tougher contest? Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with Urban. Uh, yeah. Should he, and again, speculation, we don't know, but should he be suspended and that would be his first game back? Won't that just have Penn State fans up in arms? Yeah. Hmm. Always an option. That it, will, it will be interesting yeah. to see who's coaching that game, and we might find out by the time you're listening to this. Uh, okay, next statement here. Trace McSorley will be a Heisman Trophy finalist. How many finalists do we get? Like, I think it's a, a variation every year. Let's say there's five. Let's say there are five finalists. Yes, I, I will buy that. Okay. I, mean, I, I think he's going to put up some big numbers. I really do. And I also think this Heisman class could be really interesting. you got to assume Bryce Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rears a machine, so I would I would think that would fall in there. Um, Jonathan maybe, Taylor. Yeah, absolutely, Taylor. I mean, just you look at the Big Ten as, as a whole too, and you're like, man, there's a lot of talent there. But yeah, I think he could definitely be invited to New York, um, just like we saw with Barkley last year. 
Yeah, I think they kind of owe they kind of owe Penn State one to have someone come there. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and uh, last one here, but I I think I already know your answer from some of the earlier questions. Uh, Penn State will win the Big Ten East. Uh, I'm gonna go with no. Mm-hmm. Um, I just again urban pending. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens there, but I think too like. Michigan's going to be a tough team. I, Michigan won't win, but I also think you look at the way Penn State's schedule lines up, and everybody wants to point to these marquee games at home, and yeah, that is huge. Right. Um, but I'm kind of under the assumption of, until otherwise, uh, ride with Ohio State, see what happens. And of course, if a suspension comes out for Urban, um, if he's no longer their head coach, who knows? Yeah. Um, if, he, if he stays and gets a slap on the wrist, we'll see. Um, but I think that's such a big factor. But, I mean, this isn't to say Penn State can't compete uh, for a Big Ten title, but it certainly is going to be tough. So do you, have a, uh, do, you have a Big Ten, do you have a Big Ten title game pick right now, assuming it's Wisconsin versus whomever? Yeah, I feel like Wisconsin-Ohio State's kind of the obligatory one for the yeah. time being. Um, and, again, I, out of the West, I just can't see anybody beating Wisconsin. I mean, honestly, I think this Wisconsin team – really could be a lot of fun to watch um, in the January. And I want to see just how far they'll go because it's typical Big Ten football and their offensive line is just so incredibly impressive. Yeah, it's basically a Heisman candidate running behind an NFL offensive line, which is pretty scary for, I think, most Big Ten teams. Total steamrollers. It's going to be a blast to watch them. I will see. Audrey Snyder from The Athletic, thank you so much for joining us on Locked On Nittany Lions. Uh, We hope to talk to you again very soon. Sounds great. Take care. Thanks, Audrey. That will do it for Episode 1 of Locked On Nittany Lions. Thank you to everyone out there for joining us. Again, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please download us, rate us, review us, and tell all your Penn State friends uh, to listen to this new daily Penn State podcast. We will have a full week of shows next week heading up to Penn State's season opener against Appalachian State on September 1st. I hope you'll join us again then.